Just a couple throws that he'd like to have back. Covers Stefanski's going for the knockout punch, fourth and inches. Good evening and welcome to the fourth and inches podcast with your hosts, Stuart Love, Suki Puni, Ryan Edwardson, and Alex Grazier. Hello everybody and welcome once more to another 4th and Inches State of the Franchise Special. I, as I'm sure you can tell, I'm Ryan Edwardson and I am back once again to bring you up to date with a deep dive on yet another NFL franchise helped out by you guys, the fans. This episode deals with the most aptly named team in the league. They are the reigning NFC East champions. It's the Washington football team. And joining me to bring you this franchise preview are two very special guests who are both members of the DC Tweet team. And I'm going to introduce them in no particular order other than how they are on the screen in front of me. We've got Andy Burrows and Maurice Hawkins. How are we doing, guys? Very good, Ryan. Thank you for thank you for having us, my friend. Thank you, Ryan. Glad wow. to be here. Thank you guys for joining me. I'm quite excited for this one, actually. It's going to be an, <laughs> going to be an interesting one. I think, basically, we're going to rechristen this one a fourth and inches DC Tweet Team collaboration podcast. So, Andy, can you inform the listeners out there who you are and those that aren't diehard Washington fans, give them a taste of what the DC Tweet Team's all about? Yeah, so I'm the host of the DC Tweet Team podcast, along with my co-hosts, Maurice, who's obviously here, and Shelley, um, Shelley Jordan. Um, we set up the podcast probably about a year ago now, maybe just over a year ago now. We're about 129 episodes in, if I'm correct. Um, it was just a way of giving fans a voice to podcast. I mean, Maurice can go into more depth about how the DC Tweet Team was set up, obviously the old Redskins Tweet Team. Uh, that's how I become involved uh, with Maurice, and that's how our, our friendship first started. But as for the as for the podcast, it was just something to obviously the DC Tweet Team is quite unique because we're worldwide. A lot of um, fan groups are based in certain in America, and obviously Ryan, you'll know yourself hosting the Four Inches podcast. And we're very unique where we've got an English host and two American co-hosts. Um, so that's how the uh, that's how the the podcast started, and it's just for the for the love of the Washington Football Team. Really, we've been so fortunate to have players. Um, members of the members of the franchise come on alumni super bowl winners um the podcast is going from absolute strength for strength and for me personally it was just to give us uk guys a voice i know washington it's a very prominent team over here in the uk very very well supported you only got to look at Wembley stadium when we played the bengals to see how well it was supported so uh, me and Maurice got together. We talked about a podcast, and a year and a half later, and 129 episodes later, uh, here we are chatting to you, mate. Oh, that sounds good, Maurice. How did you get into the the Washington Football Team? Well, I I became a, a fan of the uh, Washington Football Team, formerly the Washington Redskins, uh, when we won Super Bowl 17 in 1983. So I can remember clear as day the um, 70 chip. Uh, run play on fourth down where John Riggins ran the game-winning touchdown. And I think from that moment on, I've just been a lifelong fan of this team and, you know, saw all three Super Bowls, you know, as a child, um, just locked in my fandom, you know, just, you know, absolutely adored everything with this team. You know, when we were the Redskins, the logo, the fight song, um, the colors, the, the the charismatic players, the amazing coaches, you know, and Joe Gibbs. And, 
you know, even when we started going down, you know, as far as being a powerhouse in the NFL, I still maintain my fandom with the team. And uh, in 2013, um, the, um, the Washington football team moved their training camp operations to Richmond, Virginia, uh, which is the capital of the Commonwealth of Virginia, where I live. And they invited fans to attend training camp and they had a special social media day. And I went to that social media day and, you know, interacted with fans who were very active on social media. And uh, one of the things that popped in my head, like, well, what if we had a way for fans of the Redskins to interact with one another on social media? So I came up with the hashtag Redskins tweet team, which is really just short for Redskins fans who tweet about their favorite team, Redskins tweet team. And it just kind of took off like wildfire. You know, it really became an international phenomenon where fans were interacting primarily on Twitter, um, you know, talking about the team, talking about their personal experiences. Uh, it led to meetups, you know, uh, with uh, fans. Um, you know, in 2015, we hosted our first meetup um, for the season opener. Uh, 2016, we had a meetup in London, England, when we played the um, – um, the Bengals. Um, Andy was instrumental in helping us lead those efforts over there. Um, I think Andy conquered the, the pubs single-handedly. I, I think Dan Snyder poured him a pint, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Uh, and Andy says, give me more. Um, but, you know, just like it's just become like a really strong fan phenomenon. And then, you know, Andy's already talked about um, the DC Tweet Team podcast and how that has just really opened up even more um, avenues with the team, other fans, former players, current players, local media. So I think, you know, we're a known quantity within the Washington football team community, uh, so much so that when uh, the Washington football team had their inaugural Burgundy and Gold Globe Awards, uh, our podcast was nominated as one of the best fan podcasts in our first year out. And even though we didn't win, we were really humbled and honored to be in the same company of the other podcasts that were nominated because all of them were great podcasts uh, with the Burgundy Zone ultimately claiming the prize. But I think it's a tribute to Andy's leadership as the captain of our, of our podcast and the hard work that he puts into this product. So we're real happy to be here and be on your show today. Wow, no, I mean, it's, it's an honor to have people who are so entrenched in, in a franchise and, you know, you're well-established now. It's that amazing really i mean i mean i've seen from your your twitter this year maurice you were at training camp again this year is that just an experience you can keep going back and back to every year yeah i i mean they call it training camp but what we really should call it is the washington football team football festival because <laughs> it has a festival feel about it because number one is free so you don't have to pay to go in there so people of all you know, economic levels can attend. Um, there's vendors there. You get to interact with players. You get to interact with former players. You get to interact with people who work for the team. Uh, there's an opportunity to buy merchandise. There's food out there, you know, um, and then people are traveling into Richmond. So it's an opportunity to visit different um, restaurants and other local attractions in the city of Richmond. But I think the big thing is, is that, you know, it's football is back. You, you feel it in the air. You hear the collision of the pads on the practice field. You know, you hear the speeches from the coaches. So it just really, it feels more like a festival than just training camp. And I think it's a great launch 
to the season. So, I mean, I've been going to training camp at Richmond religiously since uh, 2013. The only reason why I didn't go last year was because of COVID. Like if we didn't have a, a pandemic, I would have been there, you know, bright eyed and bushy tail with my burgundy and gold on, you know, cheering the guys on. So it was, it, it was special this year because you didn't realize how much you missed something until you don't have it. So it was great to get back. Yeah, I think I had been feeling a bit burnt out the year before, but as soon as it gets pulled away from you, it suddenly looks like, no, I, I want as much as I can get hold of, isn't yeah. it? But uh, that's that's brilliant. I mean, it's kind of difficult for us on this side of the pond to to realize how entrenched in the communities NFL teams are and how, like you say, it's free for these pe- for people to attend training camp and that the events that they put on. I, I'm not sure if it's something that we really have from major sports teams over here, that just that the ability to join in and, and get close to the team. It's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, there's one place where we're going to start this podcast. We hit it at the top. Washington, current NFC East divisional champions. Andy, that means you had a nice, easy laid back season last year, right? That's all, all good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, people keep reminding me that we, that we won the NFC East with a losing record. But I think if you look at any team that goes through the amount of quarterbacks that we went through last season and the amount of injuries we had and all the drama going off the field with our, with our, you know, what happened with Ron Rivera, which, you know, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, you know, to win the NFC East and then go to play Tampa Bay and probably give them the hardest game they had on the run to the Super Bowl for me was a great achievement and people give us, you know, hell for, yeah, you won the NFC least and you, you know, you had a losing record, but that, 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 that's not our fault. We can only, you know, we can only win the games that are in front of us. You know, we can, we got that record and we got through and I thought we performed well for the majority of the season with a lot of adversity against us. Like I said, you know, we had Dwayne Haskins at the start of the uh, season. We had Alex Smith come in. We had Alex Smith go out. We had Carl Allen come in. We had Carl Allen go out. We had all sorts. We had Ron Rivera getting cancer. You know, we, we had injuries galore. So for us to make the playoffs, uh, for us to give a really, really good showing of our organization. Uh, and, you know, we had our first round, we had a draft, first round draft pick in Chase Young performing out of his skin, becoming a locker room leader within a matter of weeks, you know, uh, a rookie taking on that mantle. You know, we had some standout, standout performances. We had Terry McLaurin really, really announcing himself on the, on the, on the, in the entire league. We all knew how good he was in Washington, but he announced himself on the entire league last season. So, and again, we made the playoffs and it was just progression for us, for our franchise. And it's, it's left us wanting more. And obviously I'm sure we're going to talk about it later on, but moving into this season, expectations are super, super high now uh, amongst the Washington fans. I mean, Maurice, is, is that a good thing to have high expectations? Were, were there quite a lot of bright sparks from last season that you think are going to carry over into, into 2021? Well, I think, I mean, you want to have high expectations, you know, in the NFL. I mean, if you don't have high expectations for your team and your players, then you're in the wrong business. I mean, <laughs> the ultimate goal is to win the Super Bowl. If you can't win the Super Bowl, play in the Super Bowl. If you can't play in the Super Bowl, Make the playoffs and win your division. You know, success begets success. And I think that's what was so great about the Washington football team making the um, playoffs last year and winning the NFC East is that it kind of rearranged the, tra- the trajectory of this team and it recalibrated the, the expectations that the team has for itself and the NFL at large. I think right now, you know, 
I think any team that plays the Washington football team in 2021, they're going to pack a lunch because they know it's going to be a war. Um, and it all starts with Coach Rivera and the mindset that he brings. And he brings a warrior mentality. I mean, the type of fire and intensity and aptitude of understanding the game of football that Coach Rivera brings is just extraordinary. He's a leader of men but he also understands the X's and O's. And you see the extension of Ron Rivera in so many players on this team. You see it with Chase Young. You see it with Terry McLaurin. You see it with Montez Sweat. You see it with John Allen and Deron Payne. You see it with Logan Thomas. You see it with Taylor Heineke. And you see it with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think this team is is unified and focused as far as being as competitive as they possibly can be. But I think the, the attitude that this team is going to have in 2021 is they're going to go out in the field and try to destroy you, period, point blank, end of story. And it all starts with the coach. And I've always been a firm believer that when your attitude is to destroy your opposition, you're successful. You look at the players that have that mentality, like a Tom Brady, like a Ray Lewis, uh, like a Mike Singletary back in the day, they want to go out and destroy you. And that's the mindset you got to have to win. And Coach Rivera has that mindset in spades. So looking forward to see what this team's going to do in 2021. I mean, you've summed that up beautifully. I think I, for me, one of the big, big pluses of last season for you guys was getting Ron Rivera in. I was kind of surprised and not when he went from Carolina because the Carolina team was on the wane, but he has continually been a, a bright spot pulling that team, I think, higher than it probably would have been in previous seasons. So, I mean, Andy, to get him is probably a coup in a normal season, but with the type of season that Washington had last year, I mean, do you think you would have got seven and nine with a, a different coach, or somebody who didn't have the the talismanic power that Ron Rivera kind of has? No, I don't think so, Ryan, to be honest, mate. I think, like Marie said, he's a, he's a leader of men. Uh, you've only got to look at his very, very first press conference when he walked into Washington, I think it was around January, February time. You could see straight away, you know, I think a lot of us tweeted out by the end of the press conference, you wanted to run through a brick wall for the guy, you know. And Marie, like you said, Marie summed it up so well there. He is a, he's a leader of men. He understands the X and O's, but he's also got that humane side to him which you need that balance in the NFL. You've only got to watch, I think, when he was doing, Car was it Carolina or someone done hard knocks and you you saw him being such a humane person and such a kind person. And then 20 seconds later, he was calling something, some out, some BS play that they'd done. Washington's needed that for a long, long time. You know what I mean? We've all, you know, uh, we mentioned in our podcast uh, many times, and I know Maurice touches on it quite a lot. We had Jay Gruden. You had players walking up and slapping him on the arse and tapping him on the back of the head. I promise you, if you do that to Ron Rivera, you're getting punched in the mouth. You know, you're out the door. Goodbye. Don't do that. So he, he's he got the fine balance now between football and life. And, you know, he, he is that one man that single-handedly started to turn a franchise around. And with him, then come a Jason Wright, then come a Julie Donaldson, then come all the people that's coming in now, Marty Herney, you know, all these people that are coming in now, you know, we, we, you know, we, the whole name change things is going on, you know, he was there when we went from, he joined as the Washington Redskins and we're now the Washington football team. There's not many of coaches that could have done that transition that well. The way he handled the media, the way he handled everything that, it, that was thrown at him. And in a year, let's not forget, we had COVID and the man got cancer. We changed our name. We had the worst injury crisis in the team's history for God knows how long with quarterbacks and God knows else what was going on. And he still come out smelling of roses at the end of the season. He still went and won a division while beating cancer. He still went and took the Washington football team while beating cancer. Every, you know, many a men before him would have gone, you know what? I need to sit back. He was on the sidelines during games 
sitting down. He was having IV drips at half time. If that doesn't speak volumes to a man, if that doesn't want you to make you play for a man, it makes me want to get passionate and support the man as much as I ever could. So he, mate, to answer your question, he is the perfect, perfect man. Right time, right place for the Washington football team. No, definitely. I think and he was probably able to shield the playing stuff from, from all the outside influence mm-hmm. as well. And it, it just allowed them to focus on what their game was and, and get, to the, get to the top of their game. Rivera's a fairly defensive coach, but I mean, Maurice, you've got Jack Del Rio in as defensive coordinator and Scott Turner, who's designing the offense, has last season helped these two kind of into the good books of the Washington fandom? I believe so. Uh, I think uh, Jack Del Rio, he's kind of more of a known quantity. I mean, he's been a head coach in the NFL. You know, he's been, you know, you know, a stalwart uh, linebacker during his playing days. So he's, he's more of a known quantity. And it was kind of a foregone conclusion that the way the defense performed um, to, due to his leadership, that's how they were going to perform. Uh, Scott Turner was the X factor as far as the offense goes. And, and I think last year he had so much volatility at the quarterback position. Like, you know, like Andy said earlier, you know, we started out with uh, Dwayne Haskins. Then we went to Kyle Allen and then we brought in Alex Smith, which nobody thought was going to happen. We just thought Alex Smith, we were just happy that Alex Smith was able to make the 53 man roster. If you would have said week one that Alex Smith will be leading a playoff run for the Washington football team, I would have told you you were crazy, but that's exactly what he did. And he'll go down as a, as a great for the Washington football team. But I say all that to say that Scott Turner managed all of that turbulence at the quarterback position, the most important position in the National Football League, and was really able to integrate his offense. And we saw some players emerge as future stars of the team. I think the one player that comes top of mind who is uh, Andy's best bud is, is Logan Thomas. I mean, Logan Thomas was a pedestrian, you know, uh, player who's a former quarterback from Virginia Tech who transitioned to tight end so he could play in the NFL. And he didn't really make a lot of noise when he played in Detroit. But when he came to Washington, he became a critical offensive asset. And so much to the degree that Washington extended his contract and gave him, you know, a nice payday. Um, And they're really looking for him to be a critical component of our offensive game plan in 2021. So I think Scott Turner has the ability of of identifying these players, putting them in positions to win through his scheme. And I think now with the addition of weapons, you know, with uh, Curtis Samuel coming in, our free agency, Diami Brown coming in through the draft, I think adding weapons like that. even Jared Patterson, we saw some flashes of brilliance for him last night in the preseason game. I think that uh, Scott Turner is going to have a bevy of weapons to keep the NFC East specifically and NFL more broadly off balance with his really well-developed um, offensive game plan. Uh, I mean, you mentioned it there. We're into preseason now, the first preseason game. Andy, uh, you, a few bags under your eyes from, st- from staying up watching that last Jeez. night. You lose 22-13 to the Patriots, but I think we all know the scoreline is usually the least important thing about preseason games. How did you find it as a, a first run out for? I mean, th- I mean, there were some first team players out there for a fair, mm. fair chunk from what I saw from the highlights. Yeah, it's more than a few bags under my eyes. I think I had like an hour's sleep before I had to go to work. But yeah, I was, like you say, Ryan, I, I'm not really too bothered about scorelines in preseason. Like you, I was, yeah, I said, uh, I think on Twitter yesterday, you, and Ron Rivera said in his press conference, you're going to see more of the ones 
for in the past you might not have seen them for as long as we did last night a uh, uh, Fitzpatrick a uh, Terry McLaurin a uh, Chase Young getting a sack immediately on uh, Cam Newton you know just plowed through plowed through that O-line like they weren't even there um Jarrett Patterson for, uh, for me was really good really good um Montez looked quite good at uh, at quarterback um I thought he moved well for a, for a big guy um there was I won't get into the kicking situation. You've probably all seen my Twitter today. For those that don't, just Hopkins, this, this Maurice knows, still haven't forgiven him for Wembley. How the guy's still got <laughs> Oh, he made that game yeah. go on forever. Oh, my God. I was stood behind that goal. It was yeah. so annoying. I wanted to go home. <laughs> we probably wouldn't have made the playoffs that season as well if we had won that game. But yeah, don't get me started on him. But I, I took a lot out of it. Like I was there making my notes for our podcast and, you know, yeah, it was it was good, mate. I was I was impressed from what like you said, Ryan. Don't don't know. People are like, oh well, we lost. I don't, I'm not interested in scores, dude. No one's really interested in scores, you know. You're playing your twos and threes. Heineke for me looked like he was trying to force it a little bit too much. You know, he you know, he wants to impress at the end of the day. He generally thinks that he could be in a battle with Fitzpatrick for a for a QB one position. In my opinion, he's probably not right now, but I think he tried to force it a little bit too much last night. From what I saw though. Uh, Patterson Reyes, uh, Reyes coming in for his for his for his first time. I was impressed. You know, I thought thought he did okay. Um, yeah, no, it was it was good. It was uh, it was getting hard as it got to like quarter past three in the morning. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was I was kind of I was kind of zoning in and out. So like you, Ryan, I had to watch the highlights again. I've sat down and watched the whole game again as it goes, making more notes. But yeah, it's, it's a good start to preseason. We you know we move on. We got the Bengals next, and one step closer to week one. Maurice, you were a bit more awake. How did you find the game? <laughs> well, I, I think one of the things that uh, I, I took away from the preseason game is that if you were a fan of Taylor Heineke, he he gave you more ammunition for the, uh, the Heineke hive uh, to really get behind <laughs> him. Because, I mean, there is a legitimate debate amongst fans as far as, Big you know, why would, we, mm-hmm. yeah, why would we bring in like a, a grizzled veteran like Ryan Fitzpatrick opposed to just giving – the range to Taylor Heineke. And, and I understand that, but I also think that there's a lot of game time situation that Fitzpatrick has in his noggin that's going to come in useful in a regular season game opposed to what we saw in preseason. Like I, I did like the drive that Heineke led to get the um, the touchdown scored in the, um, in the second quarter and everything like that. But I think make no mistake about it, that this is Ryan Fitzpatrick's job to lose. And I don't think he's in, in danger of losing it at all. I think that there's always like this, you know, other side of the, of the, of the, um, the grass is always greener on the other side of the field type of thing with Washington fans. It's like, you know, if the quarterback doesn't do anything perfect, then they want to go to their backup. And, you know, and I think there's still a lot of, you know, you know, longing for Heineke with the way he performed in that playoff game. He earned a lot of uh, street credit with Washington football team. But I'd be curious to see how Heineke and company perform in the second game. I would really like um, Montez and how he performed. I mean, he led two scoring drives. For a big um, guy, you know, Maurice. He moves well, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, he's a big guy. I mean, and I think the key thing for Montez is that that if he can perform admirably you know, for the, the remaining two preseason games, he should, you know, try to lock in a position. I don't see Ron Rivera wanting to bring in a player that's injured like Kyle Allen as my third quarterback. I think he wants healthy players. So it's a unique opportunity for Montez to, to really lock up that third quarterback spot. No, it's, it's, it's going to be a big battle, I think, 
in terms of who gets that quarterback role and we'll we'll, we'll push through that and try to transition into the the offense as well but I'm I'm just wondering I wasn't too um, I mean, a few people were quite annoyed with the way that the Dolphins situation went last year with Fitz going in and then them swapping to her out and kind of chopping and changing. I kind of got that and quite liked that because from Brian Flores' point of view, you had to see what you had in Tua. And you probably weren't going to make a massive dent on the playoffs, so let, let's just go for it. Can you see anything similar happening in Washington this year? Do you think it starts with Fitzpatrick? And then given what Heineke did in the playoff game, do you think he gets... His chance because we know Fitzpatrick can be a little bit streaky from time to time. I, I think that if if Heineke is going to supplant uh, Fitzpatrick as the starter, Fitzpatrick is going to play really really poor. Like when I mean really really poor, I would say <laughs> if after four games Washington's one and three, then the 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 chorus for Heineke to get a shot is going to be um, unbearably loud. But if Washington's two and two, three and one, four and zero, oh, um, that's uh, Fitzpatrick's job to keep. And probably if Washington is one and three, Coach Rivera will probably give him one more game, uh, the fifth game. And then if he's still stinking up the joint by then, then he's going to turn over the reins to Heineke. Uh, but again, that's also going to be predicated what's going on in the NFC East too. Like let's say for example. Um, if Dallas starts out 4-0 or the Giants start off 4-0, you know, and he's trying to keep up in the division race, he can make that switch a lot sooner. So uh, I think that uh, Fitzpatrick has some leeway, but not a lot. Mm, I, 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 I'm, I'm with Maurice there, Ryan. I think they may honestly, you only probably see the things that me and Maurice retweet. There's such a clambering for Heineke. There's a lot of people. I mean, we had the Friday night lights um, at FedEx last Friday, which is essentially practice in front of what 30, 40,000 people. But from what I saw, one of our, our fellow content creators done a vlog, the clambering when Heineke come on that field is massive it's nearly as like loud as when like trying everyone's like howling red wolves it's just like it's, it's crazy i mean maurice might have been being generous there four games you know you know washington twitter like maurice i think if it's patrick come out first play of the very first game and threw an interception they were like get him out put heineke in. It'd just be, it'd, be, it'd be crazy i mean there would be there would be a clambering but maurice is right there Ryan. there is a clambering for heineke on the base of one very good playoff game let's let's look forget that it was one very good game can he sustain that over a season, over a course of six, seven, eight games? If he come in, if uh, say a Fitzpatrick got injured or he stunk the joint up, uh, um, I think the jury's out. But I'm more hopeful that I would have been a couple of seasons. I'm more hopeful for him than I am Carl Allen. I've never been a massive Carl Allen fan, if I'm honest. Uh, I mean, having said all that, it seems a little bit weird that no matter what happens the quarterback situation this season will probably still be better than the quarterback situation was last <laughs> season. So a lot of other teams would be hating to be in your position right now, but really compared to what you were, it, yeah. it's, it's still going to be good because you're right. The quarterback is the most important player on mm. the, on the team. They touch the ball pretty much every snap. So with that and with the, the rest of the offense that you've got, you must be, you must be really excited if you can nail the quarterback. And if that works out well with either Fitz or Heineke, Murray, surely you're one of the teams to beat in, in the NFC. Well, I think like, if you look at, if you look around the NFC, right outside of Tampa Bay, who should you be afraid of? Right. So 
I mean, with Green Bay, you know, but again, Green Bay situation is so sporadic because Rodgers basically wants to get out of there. Um, so you have that situation. Uh, I think that you always got to look. I think the NFC West, you got to watch out for because, I mean, you got some legit quarterbacks in that that division. I mean, you got Russell yeah, Wilson, Russell Wilson Seattle. Seattle. You have um, uh, the former quarterback um, from uh, Detroit playing for the Rams. And then San Francisco. You got uh, Jimmy Garofalo and Trey Lance. They'll be battling out for the starting spot there. So, I mean, I think Garofalo is going to start out. But I, I think that uh, it's it's a good, I think Washington's in a good place to um, make some noise in the uh, in the NFC playoff picture. I don't think the NFC is as dominant this year as has been in the past because there's so much um, turn, turnover with some of these teams there. So, um, I mean, I mean. Losing Drew Brees in, in, in New Orleans is a big deal as far as the balance of power in the NFL. I think that creates an opening for a for a Seattle or um, a, um, or a Green Bay, um, even though Green Bay played in the NFC um, championship game against Tampa Bay. But I, I don't know if Green, Green, Green Bay is the team to be feared. I would I would watch out for Seattle um, as a potential threat to Tampa Bay. And I think Washington... I'm literally um, just saying that because Ryan's a Seattle fan. Yeah. No, that's fine. <laughs> Keep talking. Keep talking, Maurice. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, I'll be, look, don't get me wrong. The Washington football team is my favorite team, but my favorite player is Russell Wilson. You know, shout out Richmond, Virginia. And by the way, uh, Russell Wilson's grandfather was the president of my alma mater, Norfolk State University. So, you know, six degrees of separation right there. But yeah, um, I, 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 Russell Wilson... You that that guy is undervalued by a long shot in the NFL. We appreciate your support, Maurice. We we, we need it at the moment. You know, you know, it's, it's been a tough few years of you know making the playoffs all the time for us. It's been it's been awful and terrible. I mean, well, we'll stop the podcast a little bit now because we've just been joined by a third member of the DC Tweet team, Shelley. Shelley, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Ryan. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for joining us. I had us. a little bit of trouble getting on Zoom. I don't know why. I don't know if it's the heat over here or it just didn't like me today, but I'm I'm happy to finally be joining you guys. So well, we're, we're glad okay. that you have joined us. We are just extolling the virtues of the Washington offense. It is, in my opinion, stacked. How you how do you think the uh, the Washington offense is is shaping up coming into 2021, Shelley? Yeah, I'm excited about our our wide receiver core. Um, really excited with uh, Brown, um, the addition of him. And I thought I thought Fitz looked good last night. Um, I love his footwork. He's always planning his feet, always looking, you know, going through his progressions, his checkdowns. I'm a little. I'm always concerned with our O line, um, with their run blocking that could always be better. I want our O-line to be just as good and just as dominant or as our defensive line. I've always said that. So I'm, we're not there yet. I, I want us to be, um, I want us, I want to go back to the hog days. So that, that is always concerning to me, but um, hopefully we get there under coach Ron. But yeah, we have we have weapons, so we're stacked. Yeah, you're right. So I'm excited, and, and in, in at the tight end position. So I, I was excited to see Bates catch a few balls. That was exciting, and of course Logan Thomas. I mean, 
we're excited with him as well. So yeah, it's all good. I mean, and, and we've gone through all that, Andy, and we've not even mentioned Antonio Gibson, which seems uh, like a massive faux pas, but yeah. Yeah, well, he, he looked good. He's us. back from his turf toe injury and he looked good. I was a little nervous having him out there a little bit too much, but I thought he looked really well. He played a lot yeah. longer than I thought he would. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think they wanted to test him to see how he could go after the turf toe. I think they just wanted to push him a little bit more than the other guys. And I was, I was with Shetty. I was like, oh, my God, are we taking him out soon? Or, you know, because we are we're going to rely on him heavily this season. But he is a player. I think he still hasn't hit anywhere near his peak yet. I think he's probably playing at 75, 80%. When that guy goes, I think like him and like Maurice mentioned him earlier, Logan Thomas, you, you know, you've got Terry, you've got Brown now in there. The potential in this Washington football team, if everything clicks, and we've said this many times, Ryan, on our show, it's all well and good on paper and we do need everything to click. But, you know, being a Seahawks fan, when it clicks with your offense at being in Seattle, my God, they're one of the best offenses to watch in the entire in the entire league. Washington do have the potential, in, our, in my opinion, I know in Maurice and Shelley's opinion, to be that kind of Seattle uh, offense, or the great Seattle teams, you know, with with a Russell with Russell Wilson at the helm. I think we can. I think we've got the potential to do that. I think we just need to put all the pieces together. And like you said earlier, we've now got Ron Rivera, we've got Scott Turner, we've got the we've got everything in place. We just need to put the pieces in and, and pray to God that we can do it this season. Uh, if only that was the easy bit, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds so good. Well, yeah, we have a lot of pieces to plug in. There was a few concerns that I had that you guys probably already touched uh, upon, and I don't know because I'm just now coming in. But, of course, my concerns were from last night. My notes were the, the O-line, the run blocking. Of course, uh, John Bostic at, um, at linebacker was a glaring concern for me. His tackling, his angles were just a huge issue. And then, of course, Hopkins, whatever the issue is there. I know Coach Ron was saying um, it's a timing issue with the snapper. Well, then you should have kept Nick Sunberg. I mean, you shouldn't have let him go. I mean, we're running out of time and we have a horrible schedule coming up. We need every single point. And we're going to be in close games. So what was his excuses when Sunbug was here? He was trash then. (laughs) You know, that's what I was going to say, Andy, because I was just getting ready to touch on that because you and I are right here. We're right here on this issue because Hopkins was not reliable last season and Sunberg was here. And I'm sorry, but you know what? I'm sorry, not sorry, but bad snaps are going to happen. Your like little synchronicities, your little perfection is not always going to be perfect. And you're going to have, you're going to have, you know, rushers coming at you. You're not, you're not going to have, it's not going to be perfect all the time. And if he wants everything to be perfect every time, you know, it's not going to be. And I'm sick of this. Sh- <laughs> I'm sick of him wanting everything like just so. Right. I hope you got be- a beat machine. It's just got to oh, be. We love just it. No. So. It- this, this is yes. what it's about. This is what, what? it's about. <laughs> getting the fans on. We need the oh, Ryan, we have the, Ryan, we have the, you're, you're getting the toned down version. <laughs> yeah. and what? He's just like, he's coming off the field. He's coming off the field like chess. You didn't have the ball just so. You didn't have it like the way I like it. Well, f- off me. And you just. Is that meant like to be it? Was that your English impression? Yeah, she yeah. was definitely taking oh, a shot. Okay, I just went to check. Mario England right there. I just went to check. I just went to check. 
That was my English impression. And you're I'll you're welcome. That. I'll beep that bit. We'll leave the swearing and I'll beep that bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it pissed me off so bad because I'm just tired of it and I'm tired of the excuses. And and Coach Ron's kind of going with it. Well, I'm sorry, you know, Coach Ron, Coach, you know, fighting cancer. <laughs> bullshit. This is bullshit. These are bullshit excuses. I mean, Coach Ron didn't have any excuses, right? So, and and what's scaring me is we have no depth at that position. And he had a strain last year. So who the hell is going to kick for us? Who's going to kick? Tress? Tress Way? Put him in, I guess. And I, th- I, th- I guess when you're in I'm position, concerned. <laughs> I would be, because when you're in the, the sort of position you're going to be in, which is fighting for a playoff spot, I mean, I know we've got the extra wild card slot from last season still, but the NFC is, you know, there's still a few teams in there that will be competing with you. Like you say, every point matters. I mean, and looking at your schedule, I don't know. I, I don't know what the NFL have done to you guys, but you've got five oh, divisional us. games at the end of the yeah. season, back to back to back to back to back. I mean, I like a few at the end to kind of keep the uh, keep the intensity up, but five divisional games towards the end of the season is insane they hate us yeah. <laughs> nfl hate us ryan yeah but I, I you know it could come down like you said ryan it could come down to a you know you've got them divisional games you might need a a, a a field goal to get into the playoffs you might need you know you could come down to something like that and i mean a lot of people on twitter are going well why are we putting this much drama into a kicker he will cost us more games than he will win us next season and my main argument has been uh, for the last 24 hours or god knows how long i've been awake now um it's yeah, like Shelley says, and you know, Maurice has mentioned it in the past. There's no depth, there's no competition. You know, every NFL team, you look at your team, Ryan, the Seahawks, you you know, you've always got competition for places. Hopkins can just turn up, and he has done since that Wembley debacle. He's just turned up every season. And you're like, if I said to you, who's our backup kicker? Who's the one really pushing him for for a spot? I haven't got a clue. I generally haven't got a clue because he just seems to turn up every season and be. Okay, yeah, he he he's playing. He he's here. He's missed kick after kick. Yeah, he should. Everyone's like, well, he still makes a lot of field goals. He should make basic field goals. Every kicker in the NFL should make basic field goals. They don't. We saw probably a record last season of missed extra points. But like you said, Ryan, it could come down to the end of the season when we're playing the Giants or the Eagles, and we might need a field goal to to win a division. Because let's be honest, like you said, five games at the end of the of the season. That's going to define the NFC East. No matter how good or bad our schedule is, that's going to define the East. And it's going to come down to a critical moment. And if he, I swear to God, if he blows it again, I, you know, sod COVID, I'd swim over there and kill him. Well, see, the problem, the problem is, is everybody looks at his statistics. Okay. And so it's his kickoffs that are really good. And so that brings up his statistics, right? Mm. Because they, they're lumped together. So they don't look at his, his field goal percentage, right? So they look at everything lumped together. He's a great, I'm not taking away from, you know, his, his kickoffs are great. I mean, and that's what pulls them up. And that's probably why they keep them. If they could just keep them for kickoffs, great. Get another mm. fucking field goal kicker in here then. Because he's average. He's like, I don't want an average field goal kicker. You know, I want, I want somebody who's clutch, you know, we're competing, you know, we want to be elite, you know, he's elite as far as a, 
you know, a kickoff person, great, elite, fantastic. But he's not elite when it comes to field. He's a C. He's C. I don't want it. Definitely begins with C. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't want. I don't want an average field goal. Well, you can't afford to have an average field goal kicker if you're up no, in the playoff you can't, position. It doesn't you're work not like gonna, that. you're not gonna make it. No. You know, look at the you're bears. Not. The bears. Oh, yeah, are the bears the gonna get back to the to where they were those those few seasons ago? I'm not sure. Oh, remember the double? What what they call the, the it? Double, the double doink. Double doink. Double doink. Everybody yeah. the double doink. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Cody. Oh well. Anyway, from something that's you know average, as you say, Shirley, Maurice, the defense. I think if if you say Washington football team to anybody, they're going to come up with the defense. It is stalwart. It is you know strong. You've got Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Are we looking for the the defense to continue as it was, or can you even go a step further to what it was last season? Well, I, I definitely think that um, you know the sky's the limit with the defense right now. I think that when you I think the thing is we all talk about the starting four defensive line. You know, we talk about Chase Young and Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne all being first rounders, you know, and doing great work. But what really makes this defense strong is the depth. So when you look at um, defensive linemen like Matt Ioannidis, Matt Ioannidis, if he was on any other NFL team, he would be starting right now. He's back. He's he's backing up Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, Tim Settle, he was on another NFL team, he will be starting. And he and they're, they're, he's backing up on John Allen and, uh, and Deron Payne. You know, so just having that depth on defensive line is great. I thought we did amazing work as far as strengthening our secondary, you know, bringing in William Jefferson, you know, I'm going to have Cam Curl starting uh, opposite of Landon Collins. From all reports, Landon looks amazing in training camp right now. Um, of course, we have Kendall Fuller, you know, you know, has the um, the playoff experience winning the Super Bowl with uh, with Kansas City, you know, coming back to Washington, which says a lot about him wanting to play in this hometown area. So I think, like Shelly flagged it earlier, I think if there's still an area of our defense that's a bit shaky, is linebacker. And it's not interior linebacker. I think Jamin Davis, is, he's going to be an impact player day one. But I think it's, the, it's, it's um, Cole Holcomb and John Bossett. Will they be able to elevate their games to match the play of the rest of the defense? Because in our playoff game, which Shelly will, will highlight, uh, Tom Brady annihilated our linebacker core. I mean, those underneath patterns with the tight ends and the receivers, like our linebackers were just befuddled by Tom Brady. And that was really one of the main reasons why we lost that game because we couldn't slow Brady down. So if we want to be like that elite defense, that championship caliber defense, um, and even coach Ron said that we weren't a championship caliber defense. We weren't elite defense. We were a good defense. Hopefully Davis will bring us to that level and he'll play that Luke Keekley role that we saw in the Carol, uh, Carolina Panthers. But, uh, yeah, the defense is going to be great. I expect for them. I expect that D line to really be extremely disruptive. I mean, we saw flashes that last night. I mean, Chase Young just obliterated that um, offensive lineman to take Cam Newton down. And Cam Newton's a big man; like he's not a small person. You know, that's a big person that he took down like it was nothing. So if if Chase Young can do that to Cam Newton, uh, all other NFL quarterbacks need to watch out. I mean, Andy Shelley. I- Maurice has again summed it up beautifully. I think. And is there anything else that you you want to add in terms of the Washington defense that people should really be looking out for this season? 
I, I think we've set the bar now. If you look at last season, I mean, some people are still saying, oh, we're going to be ranked fourth or fifth. I think PFF put something out this week saying, oh, we're only going to be the ranked fourth or fifth defence in the in the league. I am, I'm in, I'm with Maurice. I'm interested to see what our secondary can do. I think we know what the front, the front set can do with Chase and Montez and everything around them. Linebacker Davis, I think coming in, is key. Uh, I think he needs to hit the ground running because that's been a position where we've been fairly weak. I mean, Coach Ron said that he already sees him as that kind of quarterback leader for the defence in that position. That's such a key position. You're covering so much of the field and you're seeing so much. I mean, people don't realise. I mean, I even up to a couple of years ago, until I really started watching like film and analysing games and looking, you don't realise how key that position is. So I think that's something that we really need to home on. I think I'm still worried... I'm still worried about safety. That still concerns me a little bit, uh, what we're doing there. Um, but I, we, we can, you, to build on last season, I mean, last season was great. I mean, Chase Young come in and just hit the ground running. That boy, uh, some I saw it on Twitter today, that guy is going to go in the Hall of Fame. One day that guy is going to be in the Hall of Fame and he's going to do it. I, I hope it's uh, it's kind of old school. I hope he does it all with the Washington football team. I hope that guy never leaves. Give that guy all the money he wants, him and Terry McLaurin, pay them, pay them what the hell they want because they are the kind of players that you need to build a franchise around. We we, we all get caught caught up in this quarterback drama. And Maurice has mentioned on our show many a times in Washington, there's that clambering for that franchise guy. We haven't had a franchise guy really since Joe Theismann. You know, so let's build teams round defences. Let's build teams round a Chase Young, a Terry McLaurin, you know. So I think our defence will really ball out. Like Shelly like said earlier, that I want our offence to get to that level now. You know, the defence is there. And in my opinion, they're in the top two or three the top three percent in the in the league, I think they're I think they're unbelievable. I just want our offense now to get to that, and I, I believe I just strongly believe that we can. Shelley, do you think um, that the defense is going to overcome any of the the losses that you had? I mean, I believe Brian Kerrigan losing him. Do you think you're still going to go to the next level? I think our defensive line is stellar. Okay, I think they are probably the best in the league, no doubt. I don't know if the rest of our defense is there yet because I do have concern. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I have a huge concern with our linebacker core. Oh, God, I think get the beat machine ready, Ron. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to say the F word. I'm not, not, no, because I think it's a lot to put on a rookie, uh, a lot on his shoulders. Um, I thought it was very alarming what I saw as far as angles last night um, from <laughs> from Bostic was just extremely alarming and I, I didn't like it. And then what you said, Andy, just to piggyback off of you, I mean, I would feel better if they would leave Cameron Curl, you know, where he was at. I don't particularly care for Collins coming back to his position. Why? Why? put somebody I just I would prefer Curl playing where he he was at last season that's just me but um because you know Collins to me and I, I love that he's coming back from his injury that's all well and good but I'm not trying to be mean here I'm not trying to hate on him but I don't think he played all that great you know and I'm just being real here you know, I think he was overpaid for what we got. And 
And now he's coming back from a horrible injury that very few come back from. So I would prefer curl that role. And so that concerns me. And I feel like they're trying to appease Collins. So I hope doesn't, you know, take bad angles like he used to, because he did. And um, so there's some concerns in the secondaries that I have that, that clearly all you have to do is watch tape on us and you can pick that apart. I mean, Brady picked us apart. It's not rocket science. You can just step back there and pick us apart. So yeah, I have concerns. I do, but I mean, we do have uh, Fitzpatrick and we have a gunslinger now we have weapons. So, I mean, we can make it up. We can get into a fighting, we can get into a throwing match and, and make it up, but I, I don't want to have to do that. I would rather dominate. I want to dominate. So that's where I'm at. I suppose that's true with last season with most of the pressure would have been on the defense to keep the games close enough to win. So if you can get your offense sorted, then maybe the defense can just step up another level just because they're not as pressured as last season. So, right. Well, we always started off slow. Yeah. We need to stop that. From behind. We were always like 10 points, 12 points down at half time. We need to, we, we always gave ourselves a bit of a mountain to climb. It's been predominant for the last, even under Gruden. You know, I don't know what happened at halftime, you know, what he said to them. But yeah, it, but, and that seemed to transpire into last season. We either performed well in the first half or we done the Steelers. We were getting hammered at halftime. They were undefeated. And then look what happened, you know. So there's, there's games like that. The, the 49ers, when we went and played them in Arizona, I think, you know, we didn't start off great and then we come back at once. So we need to... It's, it's easy to say, Ryan, like you said earlier, you need to put it together for four quarters. And but like and like Marie said earlier, the, the great teams do. You know, the, the 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 Patriots of the past, the Packers, you know, being a Seahawks fan, you do it consistently and you do it week in, week out. You don't have one great game and go, oh, yeah, this is it. We've got it now. And then go and get trounced the next week. Washington need to put a run. I want us to, this season to put, I want us to win six, seven, eight games on the bounce. And I want us to win them convincingly. Like Marie said at the start of the show, I want us to punch people in the mouth and I really want us to take the game to teams. I don't want to go in 14 zip down at half time. This team has the potential to dominate games, not just win games, dominate games. And I really, really think we'll see that from this Washington team this season. But I, I think that domination has to start on the defensive side of the ball. I think that the, the one thing I, I know that we talked about the linebacking core and some of the concerns we have right there. But I think that the defense is the strength of the team. The defensive line is definitely the strength of the team. I mean, if you look at the San Francisco 49ers when they made their Super Bowl run a couple of years ago, it was that defensive line that they had that just wreaked havoc on the NFL. So if, you know, if our D-line, like, can, if they can create a turnover, you know, in a game and, and, take, and take an offensive opportunity away from the opposing team and then the, and they can shorten the field and give our oppor- and our offense an opportunity to score, you know, an easy touchdown, you know, then that, that changes the balance of power of that matchup with that team that we're playing. So I think if there's an X factor for this defense is their ability to generate turnovers and shorten the field for the offense to work, especially in the beginning of the season. And I think that like Shelly was saying earlier, it takes offensive lines a little bit of time to gel and know their schemes and have that chemistry as an offensive line. So that's across the board in the NFL. 
So if our defensive line can take advantage of that period of time and create some turnovers, getting to the quarterback or, you know, tipping a ball, which would create an, a, an, a ball opportunity for our secondary to get an interception, um, we can benefit from that and win some games early because the way you win games in the beginning of the season is a lot different from the way you're going to win games at the end of the season. Um, Cause you're not going to have the injuries are going to rack up. Teams are going to be as familiar with you as they will be later on in the year because of all the tape. So we really need to take advantage of the early part of the season. I, I, I'm really keenly looking at these first four games to see how we perform. Um, but I will say this. If we start out 0-2, all hell's going to break loose in D.C. Okay. All hell's going to break loose in D.C. And, and the I'm reason turning, why I I'm turning that, Twitter off. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why I say that is because we, have, we, we, you know, we play week one against the Chargers, and then we have a short week with the Giants week two on Thursday Night Football. Like the, the, I think the most important thing, and I know my co-hosts are going to agree with me. I, I think we can we can lose to the Chargers. We can't we lose to the Giants. Giants if we, if we, if we, but if we beat the Giants, nobody will care about that. But if we beat the Chargers and lose to the Giants, all hell's going to break loose. We have to beat the Giants. The Giants is, is, has been our Achilles heel for years. So if we don't beat the Giants. The, the confidence in the fan base with this team is going to just erode. So it's a lot of pressure on this team starting off early. I want to say one thing, and, and I think a lot hinges on how aggressive Jack Del Rio calls his defensive schemes. Because if he comes out and he, like, I want to see blitzes. Like, I want to see, I want to see aggressive play calling from him. And I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I want to see our defensive line be aggressive at times. Like, I want to see – how do you guys feel about that? Because I don't think he was aggressive enough in that Tampa Bay game. Well, With, Tom, Brady to will definitely cool, Tom Brady will definitely cool your jets, um, you know, because the guy's seen every defense known to man. So I understand that, that but – but you know he also folds like a baby and gets in the fetal position if you if you rush him and if you hit him. So you had to right. like bring the pressure, and I just felt like we didn't bring the pressure enough. So you yeah. know he what, throws yeah. it in the ground and he like gets. You know how he acts. Yeah, but he's got a, he's got a quicker release. He has a quicker release now than he had back in the day. So I know that's I a don't factor know what the too. Hell, he's eating, man. Like I don't know. I think we all like want he's to know that, some kind of youth <laughs> yes. formula or something. It makes me sick. I, I think you're right, though. I think you're right. It's especially if you do have a defense that can dominate. You want to see them go out there and and dominate. You don't want them to squander the opportunities, and that does quite often come down to the defensive coordinator calling the right plays. But I mean, well, we have a we have a um, we have a strong but fast and lighter you know defensive line. So I mean, if they can get after it you know, let them get after it. If they can, that's just my take. I want to see them be more aggressive at times. I mean, I understand, you know, we have to do different, you know, schemes and different um, looks. I get that, but I want to see more blitzing. I want to see more pressure, but that's just me. I like aggressive play calling. So we got tough games. I mean, we got to get after them quarterbacks. So. Wow. Guys, I don't know about any of the other listeners, but you've certainly made me a lot more excited 
about the Washington football team than I thought I could be. Can we convert you? Can we convert you? No, I've already got a friend who's a Washington fan, so I I can't. I can't. No, the the back chat would be way too much. The back chat would be too much on that. I can't. I can't do that. But no, this has been an absolute pleasure. I mean, all that's really left for me to do is to thank you all for coming on and joining us. Andy, where can people find you guys on the internet if they're looking for more Washington football team news and insights? Yeah, you can find the DC Tweet Team at DC Tweet Team 1932. And I am at Washington FC UK1 on uh, Twitter. Shelly, Maurice, any plugs you want to get in? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HawkDiesel1906. Those are both my uh, uh, handles. And then if you just want to chime into the conversation, uh, use hashtag DC tweeting. Uh, that's a quick way of just injecting yourself to a lot of our conversations and um, you know, on Twitter, which are ongoing. And um, yeah. Oh, I'm on Twitter. I just, I'm on Twitter. I love interacting with fans and you can find me at shells. Yeah. 81. Great handle. Love it. Ooh. I would encourage everybody to get in and interact with these guys. You've been exceptionally nice and friendly to me throughout this entire thing we'll be back here on the fourth and inches podcast ramping up our season preview with a few more state of the franchise series coming at you we'll have a few conference previews with myself Stuart, Sutdeep and Alex all coming together finally for the first time in about what eight months or something like that now as always if you're interested in coming on our podcast and taking part in the franchise series for an episode of your team simply send us a message on Facebook or Twitter Guys, once again, Andy, Shirley, Maurice, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you all so much for coming on board. Uh, no you. worries, Ryan. Thank you, mate. Thank Keep up you, the great Ryan. work, my friend. Thanks.